My voice still hasn't come back from when it was like completely yeah. gone. I can't do falsetto or anything. I just can't. My voice is. I literally just just it was like irreversibly broken my voice <laughs> from singing along a Josh Harper gig. <laughs> this I, is I, staying I had a cold. In. This is the intro I had a cold now. The episode. And then like, you know, I had a cold, and then like, I went to a Josh Harper gig, and I was singing along a full blast to every song, and then my voice just never recovered. That was he's, about two yeah, months but ago. he's just too rock and roll, and you're not rock and roll enough. That's the problem. No, I'm not. I know I couldn't be a singer or like a, a West End performer because I just I, I could only do one night and then be like right that's me done that's my curtain call thanks for seeing thanks for coming <laughs> for one night and one night only Matthew Vivian and on that note <laughs> speaking of West End shows though I went to yeah. Hamilton in the week oh we, we haven't even done an intro no Let's we do haven't an intro. <laughs> <laughs> welcome okay. to episode eight of the Stacey Double Features podcast with your hosts Joshua Francisco Mitchell and the uh oh i should have thought of a word before starting this the you the extremely oaf. horny that's quite yeah that's the extremely me. horny matthew vivian hello matt hello i've heard that you went to a west end show and tried to use our, our introduction as really? a segue into that <laughs> oh okay yes well i did i went to see hamilton with my sister and it was good. I enjoyed it. I've been a fan of Hamilton ever since 2016, I believe, when I saw um, Lin-Manuel Miranda go on carpool karaoke. And I thought, <laughs> yo, this Loki kind of slaps. And then I went on. I didn't think like that because this that was the year of our Lord 2016 and those words weren't invented yet. But then I went on the internet for real, for and, I real. Watched, and I watched him at the White House when he had first written the very first song from it. And I was like, this is really good. And then I listened to Guns and Ship. I was like, this is really good. And I listened to the whole thing. And then I watched the bootleg. And wow. then I never watched it live until this week. And I finally watched it live. And it's it's pretty good. I mean, I I don't wanna I, I don't like using terms like plastic fan and I, I don't like gatekeeping what? communities. I but, have watched the bootleg a great many times. But I've been a fan saying, are you... No, I've been a fan mm. of Hamilton since the Declaration of Independence of America. So oh. you're a bit late to the game. Uh, again, enough. I don't want to make you feel bad that you weren't there at the start, like the real ones were. Um, but yeah. I'm glad that you're enjoying it now. I am enjoying it. Um, I will say, though, right, because big fan, um, long-time listener, first-time watcher. <laughs> um, I, I've always been too poor to go and actually see it. My sister bought me as a Christmas present, going to see oh, it. Oh, happy Very nice Christmas. Um, bit of a bitch move, though, because now I have to get her a musical or something just as expensive <laughs> this year, which I'm not looking forward to because I'm not rich. I've got no money. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it was good. But I, I feel like because I've been such a huge fan my whole life, I listened to it loads. I listened to like the best cast, not just the original cast, but a bunch of like the very best performers on YouTube do it. Um, the people I saw, they were a bit of a mixed bag. Like the guy playing Hamilton was n not very good. He was like, he had no range, like... You know how Hamilton like goes through like his whole life. He dies at like the age of either forty seven or forty nine, uh, and he mm. starts off like he has to be like awkward and that and um, and just uncomfortable like a teenager like he is. And then he, at the end he's a bit more confident and then more of a broken man, more wise and like you know he, he goes across that that progression. And the actor who played him just played him like a really cool like. Um, a cool, confident cool as a guy cucumber. He, he wasn't charismatic at all, though. Like, he was just, yeah, cool as a cucumber. And it worked some parts in the, of yeah. the second act, but most of it wasn't, didn't do it for me. Eliza but, was very timid, very quiet. But as someone who is cool as a cucumber, it can mm. be quite hard to come across as anything but a loo. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fair enough. 
that's fair enough. Well, um, King George, hilarious. Um, <laughs> the guy who was Lafayette and Jefferson was hilarious. It, I think when you, it's something like this where every, almost all the people in the audience know basically all the words. Everyone's a huge fan. Like the stuff that makes you laugh is when you like improvise, not improvise necessarily, but like you co- add things to your performance. You add little like flourishes and quirky, funny jokes. And that's what they did to make it good. George Washington and like Mulligan just did not like impersonations of the original cast. It's like, well, that's no, it's yeah. not fun, is it? That's a waste yeah. of my time. I might as well just watch the watch on Disney Plus <laughs> if I want to see. I haven't too. seen it. I don't know. You have seen um, Hamilton? Well, no, the the Disney Plus one. I've seen it in the theatre. Uh, I've only the seen theater. it once. Um, but talking about Hamilton cast, are you a fan mm. of David Diggs? By any I chance? am. You yeah, are. I like him. Do you listen to his music uh, under the alias of Clipping? I don't know. Only as under the alias of Sebastian the Crab. Oh, in the new Little Mermaid. Oh no! Oh no! No no! So he played um, the Lafayette role in the in the yeah, original production. Yes, I know who he is. Um, I, well, yeah, but I'm speaking for the audience. I'm speaking okay. to you conversationally, but this is to fill the audience mm. in. Um, but Clipping, his his hip hop um, alias, very good, like theatrical, okay. unique, interesting. Listen to it; it's very cool. If you like Hamilton. You may or may not like clipping because it's nothing like it. Oh. <laughs> it has no bearing on what he did afterwards. Um, so yeah, d- definitely check out clipping. Very cool. That's very cool. Um, what <laughs> else have you watched in the week? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the best. I've Christmas never seen film. that. Okay, I've never seen it. Great. I'll talk it's about the best, the actual hilarious. best Christmas film, which I've seen. Oh. Okay, I do um, like hilarious films and Christmas films. Chevy Chase, it's the the National Lampoon series. Have you seen uh I've not seen any of them, Vacation? No. Nope. You watch them and you're like, wow, these are hilarious. But I feel like I've seen it all before. Mm, because okay. it was the first one to do it and yeah, everything yeah, yeah, has yeah. stolen since. It's just it's so fast and it's so clever. And Chevy Chase you hear all these is, things is about it a community. Sort of like airplane type thing. Um yeah, kind of similar kind of slapsticky bit. Um, what's interesting is everything is everything that happens is because of him being an idiot. So mm. like vacation, um, where where they want to go to Wally World, this big theme park, um, it all goes wrong from before they leave the house because he rents the wrong car, which mm. then like so spirals a, down. Mister Bean type character, a Mister Bean type character, yeah, where his decisions and stupidity create the comedy. It's not just mm. like situational stuff he is yeah, yeah, the yeah. driving force of of stupidity um and it's the same for for christmas vacation really um it's just great it's it's so good okay um, i'll give and, it a and, watch and a, and a must watch every year well i i mean I, I need more christmas films that are actually good so i'll give that a watch i need to give um the holiday a watch as well never seen that I haven't seen that because i um I wanted I literally the other day 1st of December it was I was like okay I want to watch a Christmas film opened up Netflix I saw there was a new one come out I was like brilliant I, let's give it a watch called The Holiday Switch oh have you that seen sounds, that it came that out a few days great. ago great no so the first few the like little teaser on Netflix like I saw like 10 seconds of it was like um, it's like Egg Helms and um, 
the girl from when um, Emma Myers from Wednesday and Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, <laughs> Ben Affleck's ex-wife. They're like a family <laughs> and they're all switched bodies and they're basically just in their sentences. They're saying stuff like, wow, I'm 17 again. Well, I'm 13 going on 30. Like, oh, this is freaky on Friday. Like They're just, wow. they're just saying stu- like that as dialogue. I'm like, oh, this is a very quirky, self-aware film. And so I watched it and that, it is nothing like that in any other scene. Um, it it was really terrible, but it was also like I was. It, it didn't offend me that it existed, so I gave it five out of ten. But it was like I, I have a conspiracy theory about it that um, it wasn't meant to be a Christmas film, and they only became one in reshoots because like there'll be the odd scene that's like ludicrously Christmassy, hmm. and then the majority of it is like it doesn't even feel like it takes place in December, like. Um, the daughter is like a, a footballer and um, it's like, why, why would you be doing this in December? Like all, all her stuff, yeah. just didn't, this doesn't make sense. Um, and just, and then like there'll be the old Christmas thing throughout and then it ends on Christmas. And I feel like Netflix was like, this film is terrible and unoriginal. Let's make it a Christmas film <laughs> a so that people job. will click on it. Yeah. I think that's, that, that's oh. what it seemed like to me. It might not be, but I mean, it, the only... it, it was like the, Christmas had nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. Yeah. It just yeah. was Christmas at the end more of a um just like a time of year coincidental thing a bit die hard mm. a bit of a die hard type situation mm. yeah or a die hard two die harder type situation <laughs> the only new christmas film i've seen or a lethal weapon the... type situation <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a gremlins type situation um is is the the new eddie murphy one which looks shit I've only seen like oh, the, the, I don't know the poster is. on Disney Plus. That's like Candy Candy Cane Lane or some shit. Oh, I, I have know. heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I may well watch it. I don't know, but I did watch in the cinema um, the twentieth anniversary re-release of Love Actually. Um, Love Love me and Actually went to watch it, and um, we were the only males in the audience. <laughs> uh, we were also probably the most emotionally affected. We were both. Pretty much in tears. I was just a broken man when I was watching Emma Thompson crying in her room um, and then going back to her family as if nothing had happened. Um, oh. The ending made Alistair cry, seeing everyone all happy. It's a perfect film. It's a 100% out of 100%. What is it? 10 out of 10. Flawless. I don't know how people don't like it. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it in every way. Um, what do you think about Love Actually? Don't like it. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Right. There has never been a film so perfectly about love. It's like, you know, it's it's um, every type of love. So it's like family love, like father and wow. son. It's got like yeah. de- a deceased person love. It's got unrequited yeah. love. It's got fairy tale love. It's got everything. And it's yeah. so wholesome. It's really funny. It's just, I love every character. I love every storyline. Yeah. It's so Christmassy. It's brilliant in every way. I've, and I, I don't care it. about your opinion. <laughs> I saw it maybe last year. You're and stupid. I was like, this is so outdated. What the, the hell is wrong with you? The only bit I like is the Keira Knightley nothing... bit where she goes, I feel quite pretty. <laughs> or I look quite pretty. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That. The only thing that, that kind of keeps it relevant for me is that it's it's a much a must-watch film if you're a fan of The Walking Dead because you, you miss a lot of context mm. going into the first series yeah. without having watched Love Actually before with it being a direct it, while, and a Why Rick is such a broken man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, also Phineas I... and Ferb, because um, because you know Thomas Brody Sangster and his and um, Olivia Olsen, 
Like, they have a romance in this, and then they mm. go on to play Vanessa and Ferb and Phineas and Ferb, and they have a romance in that. Yeah, so, so it's, it's kind the of same that, thing. that shared universe thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Walking you know, I take it all back. It's, it's 10 out of 10. Star Wars. It's 5 out of 5. It, it is good. It's good. Actually, it's it is good. good. We both went to see Saltburn, didn't we? We did. Um, not together. That's um, a shame. Do you want to do you want to explain what happened in it? Give it a little bit of a synopsis. Don't spoil oh it though yet. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, the trailer doesn't give you anything. The trailer. I makes I hate you think the look of the like trailer. A, a queer bait film. Uh, yeah. And I and watched. It kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. But. It's not the yeah. it's not the film I thought it'd be from the trailer because no. I saw the trailer a bunch of times before films and I thought like every time I watched it I more and more thought I hate the look of this this looks terrible I didn't want to do an episode on it mm. and then we were like well there's nothing else to do yeah. let's just do that um so Saltburn follows Barry Keegan um and his first year at Oxford University one of I those think guys it's Kyogen. <laughs> I don't know how it's... I think it's Kyogen. Because everyone pronounces it... Some people say, like, Cohen. And it's like, well, it's not Cohen. He's not Jewish. No, he's Irish. But I I swear I saw somewhere... Let me see if he's ever said his name out loud. I think he might well, I'm have sure said he his has, name out loud. On camera. But while you're looking at that... So we've got Barry Keegan, um, who plays... Mother I think Swift. it's Kyogen, personally. So a man from just outside of Liverpool going to Oxford University. Um, and... He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have any social life. But when he stumbles into Jacob Elordi's Felix, a very tall uh, Greek god of a man, um, he falls head over heels for him. Um, and and their relationship develops through highs and lows as friends. Uh, and eventually uh, a family tragedy uh, strikes Oliver Swift. Oliver Swift? Oliver Quick. And uh, and Jacob Elordi's character Felix invites him to his family house of Saltburn, a huge mansion, manor house in the countryside. Um, and Oliver gets swept up in this lifestyle. Um, and a few odd choices later, <laughs> um, I think putting it lightly, uh, it all kind of kicks off. Sorry, I'm just. I found out how to pronounce Barry Keoghan. It is Keoghan. I'm just finding out how you pronounce Jacob Elordi. Come on, like, can say I sing a, name. a song? Can I I'm sing? watching him oh, wait. teaching Australian slang, and hopefully what's he's going to say his name. Um, what's the song? It is Elordi. He said, what's "Good the... day, I'm Jacob Elordi." What did you think to Saltburn in a non-spoiler fashion? I actually really enjoyed it, but everyone's very divisive on this film. See, I yeah. went with two friends, one of which. Get, I thought it was a little bit worse than I did. Another one thought Meh, at the time, and then since was like actually I thought it was rubbish. And so, um, oh. I think I think all of us are in agreement that it's the problems come from like right near the end. Yes. Um, it's I would say it's a bit of a power of dog. What's it called? Power of the dog type situation where it was a mm. slow burn, and then a lot of stuff happens in the last like fifteen minutes. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. This was quite interesting. Can we like mm. actually explain this a little more and have it padded out a bit more? Because um, it leaves you being like, whoa, 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 what? That what? You did that came out of nowhere. Mm. Um, yeah. But I really liked it. And throughout, from it felt quite long from start to finish. I was always invested and I was always enjoying the scenes. And I may have hated some of the characters, but they were always like engaging to watch. 
and I liked it a lot. And it, I thought stylistically it was nice. Didn't like the four three. I thought that was very unnecessary. I, the film stock was very nice. Oh, I loved and, it. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was shot so well. I just I get thought the four three wasn't needed. I I thought they were like almost like cropping off the sides of people and like loads of head. It was. I didn't seem like it was framed for four three. It just. I don't know. There was times where but it was alright. I, I just thought it was style over substance. But the color, the, the I think film stuff, the color stuff looked great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the lighting was gorgeous. But if you're yeah, framing yeah, for 4.3, a lot of the, the shots are going to be very edgy anyway. You can do the composition in, in that shape really well, but I, I just don't think they did. I think there was just empty space or cut-off space. Um, Why do you think it was in 4.3? Uh, pretentious reasons. I don't think really? there was any... I can't think of a reason she would do it other than because it looks nice. I... And also, I don't like seeing films in the cinema in 4.3 because most cinema screens are in like 2.35 to 1, like mm. widescreen. So they just, it's not very big in the screen. We were sat quite near the front, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I love it. I, I love it, that kind of style. However, I read into the 4.3 and especially the, the use, like the film stock and the, the colours. It's very, um, especially at the start, those montages, the very golden hour. It, yeah it's kind of like a throwback a family a lot film of the, a lot of it was shot yeah god now actually yeah like you look back on on family footage of a holiday of school yeah that old okay. kind of feel that nostalgia i think it, it brings out um especially at the it, it's kind of framed in a way of of barry's character talking like to the camera and you're not sure is, is that yeah, an interview? what it is is he being? Is he talking to someone about his experience at Saltburn? And you kind of yeah. I was always thinking like this is a police not, interview. That's yeah. what I was always got the. That's what it seemed like. Mm. But yeah. it's almost like that. It's it's like he's reminiscing on on what happened. He's you you find yeah. out who he's telling the story to. So it's it's with that rose tinted lens and that that lovely nostalgic view of everything he went through. Um, and I'm just here for it. You don't get enough I... of, of that pretentious art stuff. Unless I it's Zack Snyder's that. Justice League. <laughs> mm. I get what you're saying about it being like a nostalgic past, like looking back mm. family footage thing. The movie's set in 2007. They, that, it doesn't, that's the that's wrong okay. era for that. I don't think it changes I mean, it. Oh, look, look, look. The film I directed, the flashbacks are set, oh, shot on Super 8 in 4.3. <laughs> in like, so, you know, and that's set in like 2017. So like, yes, I agree. It's something you can just do to make it look different and nice. Um, but yeah, I get, I get that argument, but it's hmm. still like it's kind of the wrong era for that, though. That's fair. That's fair enough. I'm, I'm just. I, a I mean, bit, I, I, I do get. Because I, I, I love stuff set it around that era, 2006, 2007. You know, I, when I was a kid, like I, I love watching peaked, things from that. Isn't it? I feel it is where I peaked. It is. <laughs> it is. And uh, God, I just. Sometimes you just miss the days when you know David Tennant was the Doctor. Oh, and like, oh I just David Cameron oh, was in politics. David Cameron was in politics. Those po- are the days. Know, just, <laughs> they'd never come um, back. Then yeah, that that's been and gone. It's gone. <laughs> uh, we'll be gone. We'll be gone in a few days though. David Tennant, rest oh. in peace. Uh, or not because of leaks. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, um, uh, really don't want that to happen. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, I just kind of I like the way that films look back then too. So I kind of wish it was. Yeah, I wish it had that that style of like a that outdated 2000s film stock rather yeah. than like a 80s 70s one. Um, okay. But that's irrelevant. Oh, but this is just such a tiny part of the film. Yes. It's yes. not worth talking. Who cares? Who cares what it's shot in? Well, it um, leads very well into story. what? Oh, the story. 
Um, or the character, whatever you want to talk about. I was going to say, it leads very well into the direction. Um, okay. The director of, of Emerald Fennel, um, yes. who directed, produced, Promising young wrote. Woman. Um, yeah, and, and previously did Promising Young Woman. Um, what did you think to to kind of her vibe and, and in relation really, to Promising Young, young Woman? Yeah, really good. Really mm. good. I, I love her. Lovely. Um, I love her style. I, Promising Young Woman I really liked, but I liked this more. Um, and yeah, yes. it's just two films so far, two for two, quite frankly, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more from her career. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'll happily see her next film. I think she's done one short before these two features, and that's it. I've done a lot of acting, obviously. Oh, she's man. Yeah, a successful actor. But and talking about Promising Young Woman, uh, mm. you get a little bit of uh, Carrie, Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan in this, yeah. very briefly. It's also nice. in David Tennant's Doctor Who. Ah, so that, yeah. That was 2007. <laughs> it's full circle. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think her, her direction of, of the cast is very, very well done. I think she gets some great performances here. Yeah. Um, I think. Oh, I think everyone, everyone is absolutely is great. brilliant. I was gonna say you've got Barry Keegan, uh, Jacob yeah, Elordi, Diogen, um, yeah, yeah. who I'd never seen Elordi, anything yeah. before, but I know he's you Elvis, seen Jake, isn't he? Seen Jacob Elordi before? No, never. He, oh, you haven't watched enough shit films, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, isn't if you not watch Euphoria? No, it's quite no, good. I'm not a twelve year old girl. Um, uh, but no, it's not a twelve year old girls. It's more like teenage <laughs> girls. But yeah, Euphoria um, is good. The first series better than the second, but the second's still good. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike's very good. Great. Richard E. Grant. Great. Oh, I love Richard E. Grant. What a guy. I know. His best performance is the um, the little iPhone video he did talking about... Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was it? The Being in Rise Star Wars. Of, Rise of Skywalker. I was, I do, I was so... I love him because he, he was so genuinely happy about being in a Star Wars film. And it's like, oh, like, you know, imagine how happy he'd be if he was in a good one. I know. Because that, I know. It, it, what a terrible film The Rise of Skywalker is, but I'm just glad someone enjoyed the experience of it. Because I, for <laughs> one, felt like I was being waterboarded when I watched it. But I'm glad he had a good time. I Get me in it. I'll do it. I'll do a video of me crying, saying how much yeah. I love it. Get me to star in Star Wars. Um, I'll tell you who I thought was really good in the film. Um, the actress playing the sister. I can't remember her name. Um, Alison um, Oliver. That's it. Because I've never seen her in anything before. And I no. looked her up and she's barely done anything. But near the end Great. of the film, she does like a monologue. It's brilliant. She's incredible. And so considering everyone else is pretty famous, like she just slotted right in there with the rest of yeah. them. The locations were great. Like the way Oxford Uni was shot yeah. was gorgeous. The way Saltburn was shot. And even the the locations that they're using and a lot of the subject matter... It must have been quite hard to, especially towards the start, keep it focused on that relationship um, between yeah. Barry and Jacob, because um, you could easily get swept yeah, they, away they... in like these worlds and the gorgeous architecture of these places. But yeah. even like um, I was speaking to someone about it at work today, and they they made a great point that even the the house tour of um, of Jacob's character taking Barry round. He he kind of just brushes past everything. Like, oh, there's a green room. Yeah, there's yeah. a blue room. That's where my uncle died. But it's it's very squarely on on him. You're you're watching him go as as you would as as Barry, and that's that's a lot of of, all of what that. you're shown is is very much like point of view stuff from him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which makes the ending that that little bit more like jarring. 
uh, mm. disconnecting. But I think we'll get into that more in spoilers. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it doesn't carry on that way, but it starts off as a sort of fish out of water. Well, I guess it is drama, like a fish out of water film. Yeah, um, and I felt that as an audience. I mean, like, because I think there's two ways of doing a fish out of water film, but they're generally like someone um, from a different world. Like, let's say Crocodile Dundee, mm. like. Um, New York is meant to be the familiar one to the audience, and then the main character is the one who's different. Borat, it's the same. Like, yeah. whereas this is different. This is like the audience is probably quite similar to Oliver, uh, and go into this world like this is like a completely different side of Britain that I don't mm. have any connection to. Um, and so we sort of experienced it with him, and it seemed. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about Oxford Uni, but it kind of seemed like it was probably quite accurate to what it's like. I don't know. Yeah, I've no idea. Never Same been. with like the, what it's like being a rich person, having all your servants, and what your yeah. what their breakfast is like. It's on the side, but you ask for order eggs. That's probably quite. I don't know. <laughs> Emerald Fennell probably knows. Have you ever heard her in an interview? Yeah, I remember when she got, got her Oscar. <laughs> she was the poshest person I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and she won Promising Young Woman screenplay, like in when they did the Oscars in the in a train station for some reason because of less COVID because train stations are famously free of all diseases. <laughs> and like I, I remember, she was really really posh. So, That's why she's only got one short to her name. The yeah. Old, the old cha-ching going on there. Mm, um, probably. Not that it it reduces how talented she is and what she does. Well, anyway, she's, I guess, one of the good ones because this whole film is about how rich people are the worst people on earth. <laughs> what did you actually think of the film? I don't think I actually like asked what you thought of it. I I really enjoyed like the first two-thirds I thought it was really okay. good. When we get into spoilers, um, we're going to go into the classic segment. Uh, yeah. If if Joshua could sound really clever and change a film through hindsight, not through writing it himself, what yeah. would he do? Okay. Um, because I've got, because I've got I, a long conversation about that. Because I do the, feel like the third act is, is the kind of issue with it. But mm. I also feel like I don't know what I'd do differently. I feel like that was the natural way of ending it. Interesting. It would just mainly be I, yeah. a bit, bit, bit like more padded out, a bit, bit more like... I think things could have been explained a lot more. We could have seen a lot more of what we didn't see earlier. Mm. But um, I thought as as terms of like what the film was about and the idea of the ending, I thought it was pretty much what I was expecting. Yeah. Not expecting from the start going into it at all, but like sort of midway through when you start, the cracks start to yeah. be seen, you start to like theorize about what's going on. Like I felt like it kind of paid off all right. Well, the only thing I knew about this film going in, the the trailer doesn't show you a lot. It shows you lovely visuals. Um, mm. It kind of shows you hints uh, at what lies beneath the surface. But what really made me want to watch this and convince you to watch this was some of the more absurd, shocking moments of the film. Oh my God, there was a few so, of them. Without going into them, unfortunately, they are... Huge yeah, they're spoilers. more fun. You, if you, you can't, don't know. yeah, you you can't be told about them. You just have to experience them. Um, yeah. Like, what did you think to these moments? I I loved them. I love it when movies do stuff like that. Yeah, um, that just makes you in the cinema just be like, oh, what, the <laughs> what, what the hell am I watching? And you just look at your mates like, what, why are we? Why do we pay money to watch this? I loved it. I thought that stuff was great. Um, yeah, there was uh, maybe four or five of those moments. And I, I saw, so there's someone I follow on Letterboxd who gives five stars to like every single mm. film ever. And he gave this like one and a half stars. And I was like, wow, what, the hell is it, what has it done to offend him? And he was like, those gross out moments were just, were just um, <laughs> style over substance or whatever it was. They were just, um, they were just trashy shock just value. Shock factor, and it's like, yeah. 
but I think they carried a lot of like I think they did have a lot of character stuff. They taught us a so. lot about Oliver as a character. Yeah. I think if they weren't there I would think about I would think so differently about him. Mm. Um so I thought every one of them really did impact the film. It wasn't just like I don't know what what's a film with yeah. like shock factor just for the sake of it. Well, like a like a trashy B movie you see on Amazon. Like um like um Christmas Switch. I'm about to do a bit a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> so um the parents and the children swap bodies and so the um spoiler. the brother and the sister are in the parents' body and the the mum's friends doesn't think that their their marriage is going well. So they're like, Come on, you need to kiss, you need to kiss and show how oh, in love you are oh. and so the brother and sister like kiss in the in the parents' bodies, and it's like, uh, uh, this is gross. So that's like a gross that movie. It's not very funny. It's not a very funny <laughs> moment. It's not a very good moment. But that's there just so the audience is like, uh, this is yucky incest. <laughs> and well, uh, obviously, you went to see this uh, with your mum, didn't you? No, uh, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I went to see it with your mum. <laughs> no, you didn't. Don't be so rude. I think I'd like to talk about the, the gross up moments a bit more. So I think this is. Uh, a very good place to go into spoilers unless you have anything else so. you'd like to say no no it's very hard to talk about it's it's just it i is. would if, if you saw the trailer and were turned off by it i'd still i'd say give it a shot because it's a deceptive trailer in that the well the first half of the movie is deceptive and that's a really good thing uh, it's not predictable particularly uh yeah i'd recommend it i would but, yeah, let's go into spoilers um what was your least favorite what what grossed you out the most out of the gross up moments Probably the vampire one. That I bro, exactly the same. I was cringing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, you're not down that bad, bro. You it don't have to think, do it. You know, Twilight, like um, the bit where she gets a paper cut in the Cullen's house, and they're all like yeah. jumping on oh. her, trying to eat her. Yeah. Surely, when he every time he goes to school, he just leaves the house. Like he's going to be surrounded by women, like, and he's going to be wanting to eat eat them. Oh, or do they, stop. Just, they just don't, don't so like that, that sort that's of That's what blood you thought vampires. of. Was Edward Cullen would want to be munching on. Yeah, I was just, I was just like, well, hang about. Well, he would just be sitting next to Bella in biology, and then he'd be like, like scranning on her. Like, but then she gets a little paper cut, and he's. That was very stupid. Oh god! Come on, Stephanie oh, Meyer. That was probably explained in the book. That's the sort of thing they'd put into the book. Oh yeah, I haven't. Yeah, read menstrual the books. blood doesn't count as real blood, so it doesn't. Yeah. Turn, I bet that's in dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um uh so there's that the one I, I was told about beforehand was the bath bit. Well I, um, I saw a, a review that was like this film did for bathtubs for me what Call Me by My Name did to Peaches. Like so I knew there was something <laughs> gross and sexual revolting around a bath, but I thought it would just be when you see he's like spying on Jacob Elordi, but I didn't know mm. it would be worse than that. I, I thought it was gonna be worse than that. I thought it was gonna be like munching on a globule of, of cum. Yeah, I, th- but I it was thought just he'd water. bring his mouth up and you'd see that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I thought so you'd I, see that. I thought that was that was pretty tame. The vampire yeah. bit was bad. Um, the grave bit at the end. That was funny. That was yeah. hot, bro. That was hot. What else was there? There was, I mean, I guess the very last scene, like the last shot was like... The last shot. Oh, that's stunning. I yeah. loved it. See, I thought that was such a good way that like that told so much mm. in... A very simple way and yeah i left and, and dan was like that was so unnecessary like i don't want to see that <laughs> and i i remember carl pilkington once saying like if you can't look a knob in the face there's something wrong with you <laughs> and it's true it was there's nothing it, wrong with the know, cock and balls i think it, i think they look silly but it wasn't <laughs> gross it was just like it was a 
yeah, it was what a it was free. It was a strange it? scene, but it worked really well because it just showed how completely confident he was that this is his house yeah. now. Um and it, I think it just without saying a word, it really told so much. And the song choice was perfect and his dancing was perfect. I can't believe how much of a horny film it was. It was, yeah. He gets with what, the whole family the cousin in like a a weird rapey way, the sister in a weird rapey way, the mum mm. at the end. Yeah. Um I thought we'd see like um I thought like him and the mum would become a couple like more explicitly yes. and we'd have like yeah. gross like kissing and stuff. Um uh kissing. Something that I that didn't really make sense to me is um so obviously the film starts up two thousand six and then they're reading Deathly Hallows, and it's past Christmas, so it's 2007. Um, and then, which does make sense. All right, I don't really understand this, because I thought this was all taking place during summer, like the summer holidays between school years. Yes. But then they said That's it's six months. It was. They said it's been six months. I said, well, what? Surely oh, I didn't see year. that at all. Oh. I think surely they've been a year together. Yeah, but it, I thought it, it was just a summer holiday. Yeah, I don't, I don't, so I don't really get the timing of it. But anyway, um, and then... When it flashes forward, like right near the end, there's like the people working at the cafe are wearing COVID masks. And the fact it's open, but they're wearing masks makes me think it's like 2021 or at yeah. least like that early. So why the hell did it take like 14 years for him to do the rest of this? And, and also he, he has a different haircut, but he doesn't look that different. And Rosamund Pike looks exactly the same. And it's like, I, I don't mm. think the film needed to take place that... I don't think, I, I don't think, I don't think the time jump should have been that big. I think it would have been much more effective if it was like... Five years or something. I think so, hundred um, percent. It just it doesn't just, make sense to me why he's all he's all go 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 in like terms of get, get offing this family, and then he just stops mm. for fourteen years, and then he he decides to, he's going to go straight back into it again, kill the dad, kill the mum, take the house. Yeah. So so for those who those mavericks who haven't seen the film but are still listening to the spoilers, um, the twist at the end is uh, he was never interested in. Uh, Felix, the the friend from university, he was just interested in Saltburn, the estate, um, and so he goes around killing the family um, and essentially weaving a web in order to line him up to inherit the house, um, mm. which he does get at the end and leads to the matter on the dance floor um, dance at the end because he he gets the house and gets everything he wants, yeah. Um, but that leads into my issues with the film and how I would change it. Okay, let's hear this and see if I agree. <clears throat> so, um, I believe the fact that he orchestrates meeting the boy in the first place is silly. He shouldn't have punctured the tyre. He shouldn't have pretended to not have any money. That is so not interesting. I think it takes away from his character completely. Um, I think it needs to be, mm. at the start, very much a relationship with the boy. And and that, yeah. that develops as it does. I think and that then, works really well. And then he and then goes he finds to out about the house through. Then he finds yeah. out about it and gets swept up in the lifestyle. And he's like, yeah. wow, I've never had this. I, I love the family. I love the way I'm treated. I love the ground. Well, he can't love the family because then he would just be happy staying there, surely. But then you get to the birthday bit. So in, in the film, well, um, yeah, Felix takes Oliver to see his parents who he lied about and said that they were drug addicts 
and the fact that his dad supposedly died was the reason that he was invited to Saltburn in the first place. But it's yeah. revealed that his parents are both alive and they're they're ordinary people living in an ordinary house. But because Felix dies, there's no consequence to having this reveal. He doesn't tell anyone. So when no, Felix dies, there's there's it doesn't do anything to the story. It doesn't alter the trajectory. But at I all. think that's why he killed him. No, but I think it does because I think that's why he killed him because he would have told people. But I and they would have fallen out and they were going to leave clear. the house. If he then mm, got, got to the it. maze, Felix is like, "No, stay away from me. Stay away from me." And Oliver keeps pushing, and Felix says, that's... "If you don't leave me alone, I'm going to tell everyone that you lied. I'm I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt anymore." And then I think that's pretty much what happened, though. He doesn't say he's going to tell everyone. He's Not like, explicitly, but I think. But he told him like, "You need to leave now." Oh, a hundred percent. But if he, but I feel like if he didn't, said, then you tell him. That's the ultimatum. Then it would be up to Oliver as a character to decide whether he wants to stay with the boy, and 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 leave and let him get get on and and set free what he loves because it's it's the relationship with the boy that he loved at the start, not Saltburn, or Saltburn, the house, the estate, the family, the lifestyle. And if he then chose to kill Felix and chose the lifestyle over that, it would then make sense and give him motivation that we as the audience understand for then him to push forward into Saltburn. But the twist at the end that you're told after the fact, it's just, it's dissonant and it doesn't make sense because you're never led into that as a character. It's never anything that interests him. Mm, I don't think it's quite as interesting with an ultimatum. I, I think ultimatum. I think the whole so the point of the film is basically, um, I guess it's about how rich people don't really. No one can be that wealthy and and deserve it. It's all like um, so. So what he's doing in killing everyone to take the land is exactly what their ancestors did, right? They they back when it was, I don't know not caveman time, the past, like whatever, <laughs> their ancestors were like, kill loads of people, this the is 80s. our land. And like, I'm in charge, you're you're going to build my big house. And then it's, it keeps going, keeps going. And it's but it starts off originally with their ancestors were the best warriors. They killed the right people. They claimed the land. They made everyone do what they told them because they were the most powerful. And so it's sort of, it's he's doing exactly that. And he is um, taking, like, he's just taking it through murder and that. Um, and you're meant to kind of be like, well, hang on, he's a he's the villain, but it's like, well, no, he's doing exactly the same as they did, and I don't think it's as interesting if it, if he ever cared about the guy. I think the whole point is he's going after the stuff. I think the fact that he's using him the whole time is more interesting. But I think they should have. I do think that maybe they should have. Um, he started off using him just to get like clout at uni or something, and then he cared about the place. But I don't think he should have ever cared about uh, Felix, really. So I okay, that's fair. So I I would have lent into into the the romance. I thought that was the most interesting part for me, um, and that that dynamic. And then it would have made that switch a lot harder because he he would have had to have chosen the lifestyle over Felix. But but if I do you say I... you wanted to keep it as as this power fantasy, then I would say do it more like the bomb under the table. The, the shock factor that he's been killing everyone is it has no uh, resonance with us because it's just out of nowhere. It isn't set up. It isn't established. I mean, the, other second, than... the second the thing he, um, he dies, it's like, well, we know who did it and we did 
yeah, it did kind of, but it was set up throughout, like that he was a liar uh, for all these different reasons, and I feel like it was subtly set up. I mean, I knew that was going to mm. come, but that's through that's through weak writing, not strong writing. That's because you are a clever man who yeah. can understand how a film is written, not because of the information that the film has given you. That's what I I believe. Whereas if you mm. knew at the start that he was like. Oh, I'm. I've been researching Saltburn. We get some indication. Nah, that I think that would have then... completely ruined it. I think that would have ruined it. I think. I think why it works because the first half you think like this is like a carry type situation, right? It's it's the popular people are um tr- uh, becoming friends with the um the unpopular person to manipulate them uh, mm. just because they're they're sick and like they're rich people looking down on they they're, they're like <laughs> they look down on you right? And then the twist is that it's the exact opposite. And he's using him, and I think that's why. That was what's interesting, and I think, I think your suggestions are just making it the same as loads of other films. And I think the fact that they didn't do that is what made it more interesting. But it's also it's quite reminded me a lot of Last Night in Soho, which I loved how it was just twist, 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 and other people were like, "No, that's stupid." It was more interesting before they did all the twists, and it was just what the story we we thought it was. Mm. And it's like that was also that also would have made a good film, but I just feel like movies have been around for over a hundred years and let's do some different stuff. Some, the plot we thought it was is, is been done and I quite like how it was something else. I like a I'm, twist. I love M. Night Shyamalan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I There's just, a reason why I, The Sixth Sense is so iconic because it lays the tracks so that when the twist happens, you're like, am I dumb? Because I should have, I should have figured that out well, immediately. That's I so clever. Think, I think the sixth sense is like you have a walnut for a brain if you don't get you, twi- sixth you sense watch twist from the watching forest, it. and you're like, "What is going the on?" The the village, yeah, yeah. Like, why is it set in modern day? That's a stupid twist. That I is just there disagree. For I love. I absolutely love the uh, the uh, village. I think it's a great film. But I do think there should have been slightly more suggestions. I think like when the elders are like talking, they should have like slipped into normal dialogue like even they just like, the subject, said... like you don't notice but on rewatch they should yeah, they it's should... so scary rn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this monster's but they, but... got the rears but no you should it should have just um <laughs> they should have just said like gunner or something or like sh- should it or like some word which you don't pick up at the time but like, on rewatch like Wazza. oh shit that's that's really yeah <laughs> yo bryce tell us how my guy <laughs> That would have been so subtle and so good. <laughs> well, you, you're yeah, right. There should have been like, yeah, there should have been a couple more. Um, there's like little tweaks, little like hints, but mm. yeah, there should have been a bit more. I think that's an alright twist. But M Night Shyamalan's tri- twists in general, like, are slightly set up, but not that much. And this, I actually, I thought it was set up loads. I thought it was set up the perfect amount where it was like it was still a shock, but it was always there, and I was always picking up on it. And if you didn't, what can I say? Maybe I'm just more intelligent than you. I don't think like you. I don't think it was like flawed the ideas like you do. But I think it was just nowhere oh, near. Oh no, I don't think like, it's. I don't think the ideas are flawed. I just think, like, I just think it should have been way more in depth. Changes. Yeah, I think mm. so. And we should have seen more about how he did it. I would have seen. Wanted to see like a whole like sort of chapter of the movie of like seeing it again from that point of view. I mean, not as. Mm. I don't want to be repetitive like. And it, it could have been, but like the the practicalities of like how I don't even know how Felix was murdered. I don't think you really see. He, I can't remember. I think he just he just spikes it with loads of coke, doesn't he? 
and oh, then yeah, frames yeah. the cousin. Yeah. But then um, the sister, so she slits her wrists in the bathtub, right? But he must have done that. So how but did he exactly, get his fingerprints off it? Exactly. And all that sort of thing. Like, uh, And then... Like okay, well he'd have to wash the blood off him because it's blood everywhere. Yeah. Well then the, they would the police would find the traces of that. Like I, yeah. I think it, I I wanted to see the, how he was like a mastermind. And if mm. it was like we saw at the end, like him being a mastermind doing the cleverest things ever, then you'd be like that's really satisfying. But it wasn't. And the, uh, the yeah. dad, I can't remember how he died. And the the mum, he just died. I, he was just died. He died of old age. Oh okay, I thought. Oh, I think I just he just read a newspaper and he's like oh. Richard E. Grant's dead. Looks like I can bang Rosamund Let's Pike. Let's get back into it. Well, Rosamund Pike... Um, so, I can't remember what she's dying of at the end, but I got the impression he was behind it. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly, yeah. He, but I, he I wanted was doing to know something how, to her. I wanted to see him murder the family one by one and also make it so that no one ever suspected him, and to the point where the audience never suspected him. Mm. But, yeah, not didn't really... I don't think it should have been Jacob Elordi who died first then. He should have maybe been one of the last, and then like as his family's dying and and he still trusts him, like right near the end, we'd see like him start to suspect um, Oliver, and then Oliver be like, right, it's my time to act, mm. murder. But that well, that's it. Maybe. You you I don't... you take out the emotional heart that you've been with for an hour and a half um, mm. when when Jacob Elordi dies. Honestly, I think this this would be better as like a mini series. I think there is so much stuff they yeah. could have done with that I, that final. I act. would love to spend more time in the world. Give me yeah. more visuals like so, that, like gorgeous. Do it, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that would that would brush off all of the the issues that we have. Yeah, but and Saltburn, go and see it. I know it's it's very it. hard to watch, um, but it's gorgeous. The dance at the end is worth the uh, admission alone. Um, and I gave it three and a half stars. I gave it four and a half. Now I might, to be honest, it might be four, but um, yeah, I, I did really like it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Emerald Fennel can do next. And I love Spark Ball. Our pairing this week is another Richard E. Grant caper mm. by the name of uh, Withnail or, or Withnall. Yeah, it says Withnall in the film. Yeah. And I, yeah. Um, What's the plot? The plot is um, two uh, like alcoholic drug addicts um, live in a shitty flat in London and they are both struggling out-of-work actors and they decide the best thing for them to do is just to get away from London, have a bit of a, um, a short holiday in the countryside. Um, Withnall's got an um, uncle who's very rich and has property out there and they're going to go go there and... Uh, just sort of get away from the their their life for a little bit, and um, calamity ensues. It's really good. <laughs> it's good. I tell you what, I thought I'd love it more, but I I think that's partly because um, at the end of the day, as much as I love doing this podcast, it is somewhat like homework sometimes having to watch films, and I wasn't necessarily in the mood for it. <laughs> I watched half of it um, on the train on the way back from London, and then I I was like, I don't want to watch this, and so I watched some William Hartnell Doctor Who. And then uh, I watched the rest of it this afternoon. Uh, and it was good. I liked it. But, yeah, I wasn't really in the mood. I thought the characters were great. I loved all the characters. Um, I thought maybe because there is so little plot, uh, I was there was nothing for me to really keep invested in what was going on. It was more just a sort of hangout movie, um, which can work. Big but time. I think I, I yes. wanted more like... Um, 
stakes from the plot when there was next to none. Yeah, it's especially at the start, it's a bit more like a, a collection of vignettes. Mm. More of like a, a snapshot at uh, of London in, in the 60s. I tell you what, if this um, movie was released as a, as a series of TikToks, probably do quite well. <laughs> wow, if only it was. You're introduced to um, Richard E. Grant and uh, Paul McGann, uh, also Doctor Who, mm. in this. It's Doctor Who again. Um, and and you get an introduction to their character with Richard E. Grant being the... Um, they're both out-of-work actors, but Richard E. Grant is the more like domineering, um, always right, yeah, very much alcoholic, drug addict, will do anything to stay drunk and high. Right, enough um, about yourself, Bob... Joshua. Why don't you talk about oh, Withnall from Withnall and High? <laughs> and Paul McGann's a bit of a, a wet blanket. Mm. Um, he really is the 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 audience surrogate. Yeah. Um, into into their life, their relationship, and more so into into Withnall really. Um, but after that, you then spend scenes with their drug dealer. That I like I him. He was you see character. once. Um, you see him at the start. And you see him at with, the end. Mm, and same with the uncle. Do you spend scenes with these characters that then vanish for an amount of time? Um, and they are like looks at different communities different areas uh different like almost stereotypes at the time hmm. um and as you said it's not it's not overly plot driven because you just want to spend time with the characters um and and see those shenanigans uh, and i think it's great paul mcgann was great see i've only ever seen paul mcgann obviously as the doctor doctor who and um i saw him in lesbian vampire killers and he does a lot of narration <laughs> of stuff, does like nature documentaries and that. But I think that was it. Uh, um, he was great in this. I think he's a really good actor. It's kind of really a shame good. that his career, he's, he's only, he's by far mostly known for playing the Doctor in one movie yeah. and one five minute short. And everyone wishes yeah. he played it more because he was so good. But like, that's all he's really known for. A failed TV pilot for an American Doctor Who. And it was quite bad, wasn't it? Um, I am fond from, of it. From what I remember. I'm fond of it, but that's not to say there aren't a lot of problems. Yeah, but I think you're fond of everything, Doctor Who. I'm not fond of the Jodie Whittaker era. <laughs> or the Colin Baker era very much. Right, you're going to have to talk more about this, because I've only seen the first half. I've seen to when I've they get to the countryside. I've got basically nothing to say. I thought it was... What else do they do in the countryside? They uh, kill a chicken, which I didn't like. That made me sad. I didn't think the chicken deserved to die. Um... He meets some farmers who don't like them very much. Um, all I knew about this movie going in is I saw, like, from a meme or something, that, like, few seconds at the end where he's, like, pulled over by the cops and he's like, uh, we've only had a few ales. <laughs> and that's all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they just sort of vibe. And uh, the, the uncle comes to... Uh, he comes into the house when they're asleep and he, he scares them. And then he tries to, like... Um, he tries to, like, rape, I guess, and Paul McGann. Then they go back to London, and it's... then Paul McGann gets a job as the lead in something, and then Richard E. Grant is still a drug addict and an alcoholic, and he's not got any work lined up, and his life's going to be pretty bad. Antithesis. What's the... Is antithesis? That means, like, the opposite man. Like, Aaron Burr uh -huh. and Alexander Hamilton are, like, the antithesis of each other. Ah, there you go. Um, One thing I, I did love... You can tell that it's, this is me 
this is me guessing. I haven't researched, so I'm mm. I'm doing a very big guess here. So if I'm wrong, feel free to to let me know <laughs> personally in online, face to face, how wrong I am. But um, you can tell that this was the era where shot on film was very low budget, and they had to make it work through long takes. Mm. Um, and and it kind of links very well into Saltburn in that way. In that I find that kind of style of filmmaking very nostalgic. Yeah. Where you have to block a scene in a way that you're able to still have a very dynamic conversation and have a lot of levels yeah. um, and interesting dynamic between characters without doing, okay, I'm going to do a wide, a two shot, an over the shoulder, two mids, two closes. Because back in the day, you just you couldn't afford to do that on film. It's not like digital where you can do you can shoot wherever you want now. It's we need to get this in the least amount of footage as humanly yeah. possible. That's... And you have to be more interesting and, and dynamic with it. And I just I love it. I know well I've been watching a lot of Classic Dot Two lately and you can spot the good directors from the bad directors, like for that reason. Mm. Like some of them, yeah, there'll be really long really long takes and the blocking is fantastic and, and the camera repositions like ten times to yeah. basically new shots but seamlessly and uh and it's so yeah. well done, and then others are just horrendous. But um, yeah, that's um, I saw a video on how I Claudius was like the best TV, best shot TV show ever because that was like a um, well, it's BBC like in the eighties I want to say. So it was you know not mm. very high budget, and uh, it was all in like um, three walled sets in a in a studio, and that was all just a series of long takes. And how like the blocking of that is some of the best it's like you you could ever see, and it did look incredible from that. Um, and I've been doing, I mean, so I've been making a short over the past couple of weeks. Um, it's like a mockumentary uh, about elves who work in the offices and the warehouses of the <laughs> North Pole. We filmed the second to last day um, a couple of days ago. Um, and with that, like, we had, so the last day we had, uh, I think it was 34 shots and some B-roll to do in a few hours. Um, there was 12 pages, I think, something like that. Loads and loads to film. And so, yeah, we did loads of scenes like that where it's a one but you change the framing a lot. And it's, yeah. it's really difficult. And it's... Especially when you you, really when you haven't built the set, like it's just whatever the location has. It's really hard. I think that's a testament to how great the director of this film was, um, whose name escapes me. Bruce Robinson did a great job of it. Well done, Bruce. Well done, Bruce. Um, which Richard E. Grant did you prefer between this and Saltburn? Oh, I loved them both, actually. They were both, like, my favourite character from each film. Because um, in Saltburn, like, yeah, obviously, like, Rich and, like, whatever, up himself. But I thought he was really likeable, whereas the rest of the family, I couldn't stand. Like, I hated Rosamund Pike, but I thought he was nice. Um, and then Withnell was so funny in this. Um, yeah, I liked them both. I'd probably go Withnell. I think so. Withnall was in it. He loves chewing the scenery, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, He's which I great. think contrasts uh, with Paul McGann really well, who's playing it a lot more straight. Um, yeah, but it, they, I mean, it felt like it was they both belonged together in the same film. It wasn't like out of place how they're doing it so differently. But um, and then like you also have um, Richard Griffiths who, who chews the scenery in everything I've ever seen him in, um, <laughs> and he was great. Well, what is the link between this and Saltburn? Why did we pair them together? Well, because it's about two like ambiguously homosexual um, sort of young men who have a relationship between both being very poor and from nothing and drug addicts and uh, an incredibly rich 
posh lifestyle. And Richard E. Grant. And Richard E. Grant's in them both. Uh, great. What did you think of, of with, with Nor slash With Nail and I? I liked it. I gave it three and a half stars. It would probably be higher if I was more in the mood to watch it. Fair. I gave it four and a half. I, mm. I love it. Great. I've seen it a couple of times before. Um, yeah, I just think it's, it's so funny and it's so full of character mm. um, and really um, like sums up that really wanky university artist feel. Yeah. That, that you're you're better than everyone else. You're not oh, part yeah. of the machine. It's like a, yeah, it's like an actor character. Um, I've seen a lot of people like Withnall. I've worked with a lot of people yeah. in, like, who, who are like him. Even though like that he's um, he, very much beggars can't be choosers on the sort of stuff he he get hired yeah. for. Still, like yeah. I'm really important. So I must be treated in this way. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do come across some of them as a. Runner. I deserve to have all these acting gigs. Yeah, but and I deserve to have yeah. no experience doing it. On to filmmaking lessons. Oh boy, what would you take away from these films? So from With Nail and I, uh, and to a certain extent, um, what's it called? Saltburn. Saltburn. <laughs> um, it's shown how you can, uh, with one camera and one setup, uh, cover a scene through blocking, just removing the camera to different positions and having the, the um, actors inhabit different spaces throughout, um, which is very useful when you are shooting something very quickly um, with uh, very little time, one camera, uh, and you can't be doing like all these different crazy angles. Uh, it's something that I think every director needs to learn. I remember at uni they call, um, lecturers called it like the Spielberg shot, and it's like, well, I'm pretty sure that idea mm. of blocking has been as long predated Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, that's been around from like when cameras first started. They basically just the earliest films are basically just like a wide shot, and then the actors mm. move around like it would be a theatre. Um, we well, saw like that shot from ET. I'm sure that's the the yeah like the one I got shown so much. I, I think it was one in Jaws where you got like, on the boat um, when they're like on like the little barge when they're first like setting off mm. at the start and it like yeah the camera goes it's a two shot then someone's in the background and then it becomes like a, a three shot then it's like it's a close up and moves around and he does a lot of that he's very very good at it but um, there there are plenty of <laughs> it's been around before him <laughs> yeah he's okay isn't he Spielberg he's fine he's fine but like come on <laughs> there's other people cursed double features I have Two for each. I would pair Saltburn with A Weekend at Home because it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. I've never heard of that movie, so I'm just going to take your word for it. No, no, just just a general weekend at my house. Oh, your house? With my family. Oh. Yes. Fair enough. Um, just the, the big house. Yeah. The, the money, the big garden with the maze. Okay. Um, so that's what I would pair Saltburn with. And the second one would be uh, anything with Barry Keegan in because he always plays a broken character from he a does. broken home yeah. that acts in a very similar way to him. So you could, you could easily pair was, with anything else he's in. He had the most like Irish, Northern English accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he, was, he reminded me a lot of his, his character in um, Banshee's of Sharon, but Yeah, and, and his character in, in The Batman. Yeah. As well, that's he looked yeah, like him when I can't remember who after the vampire one. scene when he's in the bath. I thought he looked like Joker, and then he, he looked at the camera and went, I'm, I'm the Joker, Joker baby. baby. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. So, Saltburn, I've got Powered Dog, which I talked about already. So, Burn last 10 minutes, we've, we've got through it. And then the other one, uh, I've come up with a hilarious joke, but I can't think of a name, for, I can't think of a film for it. So, shall we just come up all together? 
So the hilarious yeah, joke will be, um, they both sound like nicknames for skin conditions. And I just can't think of another film. Um, Saltburn and um, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. With Nil and I. <laughs> and I've got Pearl, because they both have scenes of a character going, I'm a star! <laughs> That's really good. That's a really good one. And I've also got the History Boys, because it's Richard Griffiths playing a gay man who likes to molest younger men. He literally plays exactly <laughs> the same character in that film. And and in Harry Potter as well, exactly the same. Oh, that is right. Richard Griffiths is 39 in With an Eye. He looks so old. And cause I was You're thinking kidding. throughout, like, like, hang on, he looks older than he does in Harry Potter, and that was, like, way later. He's oh And I looked God. up how old he was in With an Eye. He's 39. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. He's just very grey. He's just, yeah, he's the same age. And then, yeah, like, the last Harry Potter he looks the same at, and that was in 2010, his, his last one he's in. Weird. What, what, you, what's Good your with an eye? Well, he's dead now, he doesn't look anything like that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, poor guy. Um, so my first with Nail and I, I would pair with uh, just being at home for the weekend. Oh, I uh, missed, very... I was going to do that joke and I forgot to do it, yeah. <laughs> See, it's very similar. Yeah, um, living in the well, flat, that was that um, was in squalor. I tell you what, that was yeah. very relatable to being at uni. I love the design <laughs> of their flat, where it was like it was a really fancy flat once by the looks of things, like the paintings on the wall, yeah. and then it just it's just turned into a dump. And then I would pair uh, with Nail and I with Human Traffic. Have you seen that? Uh, no, but you or someone has re- no Ali Keeling has recommended me that film so many times. That, that doesn't surprise me, and I've never it, seen uh, it. John Sims. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, the master and, from Doctor uh, Who, Dyer. from David Tennant's yes. Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly right. And it's got um, Rick Grimes in as well. Oh wow! Um, yeah, from Love but, Actually. Uh, it was between that and Train Spotting, but I feel like Human Traffic is a bit more with the scene, mm. um, and it's just big, big drug vibes. That's fun. Uh, if you want to, if you want to chill, big drug vibe uh, that doesn't get existential and, and scary like Train Spotting does. These are your films. We'll just hang out with you. Oh, you know what I'm like. I'm always, I'm always on that drug, aren't I? Yeah. You always buy one. You always go to the shop. You always go go into a car park at midnight and buy buying one or two. I do. You, if you see a man wearing sunglasses in a dark car park, he probably sells the drug. Mm. So you go up to him and say, "One drug, please, sir." You'll um, be sorted. Say I sent you. <laughs> and you yeah, you go. Yeah, get off yourself too. <laughs> yeah, stick it on my tab. <laughs> Like the drug. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's clever wordplay. Hold up. Right, we're, we're very tired, and so we're not doing a short this week. And we've also decided that we're going to do little bonus episodes uh, each week. And starting from last week, uh, we are doing Doctor Who December. Mm. Ooh. No, um, Ooh. Oh, yeah, you're right. Do-do-do. You're right, sorry about that. <laughs> I hate the new theme tune when it's got the breathing over it. Someone goes like, ha, 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 ha. it's disgusting, and I don't like how it ends really abruptly. No, not a fan. But we'll, we will record that mm. tomorrow. But it will be up uh, hopefully on Thursday or something like that. Next week is Wonka. Wonka. Oh and, my god! And as a, a hint as to what we're pairing it with, um, imagine everyone, everyone listening, close your eyes. And focus on my voice. Now picture me, if you know what I look like. If you don't, picture Gene Wilder. 
but not him because that gives one of the films away. Someone like Gene Wilder walking with a walking stick and then bam, forward roll. Does that do anything for you? That's a hint for one of the films. <laughs> um, and the other hint is that it's um, Tim Burton's 2005 film, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> so those are the two films are doing. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting one because um, it's par- a apparently bill. controversially, no, that's true, apparently controversial, but I, I've, I'm right. Um, I strongly believe that, that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is better than Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, so that'll be a fun discussion. Here we go. So everyone who, who messages me saying, I only tune in for Matt's hot takes that mm. are always wrong. No, it's not. It's Next right. Next week's the one. <laughs> to be honest, like I am so right that I ha- I can talk about forever. <laughs> I will destroy you with fact and logic. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Ben Shapiro of the Wonka universe. I am. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. Right. Have a good sleep. I will. And, and to everyone listening, you have a good sleep. Good night. Tonight. Sleep good night, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll see you on the next one.